Critical thinking is the most important skill you can have when you're living in a world that seems to have lost its mind. Everyone out there is trying to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. In every episode, I'm exposing the logical fallacies being used by advertisers, politicians, influencers, news outlets, social media memes, and maybe even your own best friend. Warning, listening to this podcast will cause you to see bad thinking everywhere. Welcome to the Filter Through a Brain Cell podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Filter It Through a Brain Cell podcast, and you are in for a treat today. I don't do interviews often on this podcast, but I I do when they're really good. <laughs> and this one, I had the opportunity to interview Elizabeth Urbanowitz from Foundation Worldview. And we had such a great conversation about truth and how to recognize truth, the difference between truth and emotionalism, and how we as If you're a student listening to this podcast about how you can make a stand for truth, if you're a parent listening about how you can help your child learn how to discern objective truth from um, subjective feelings and emotions, and the conversation is so good. It's so good. But you guys, here's the thing. I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Classical Conversations. That is where I learned these skills. You guys was through this program, because if you're concerned that the traditional school system isn't going to equip your child with the skills and the knowledge to succeed and the ability to learn how to think, you're probably right and you're not alone. Classical Conversations helps thousands of parents homeschool their children with confidence by providing a clear roadmap, a proven curriculum, support from local communities of like-minded families. If you are at all interested, go check it out, classicalconversations.com forward slash Gibbons. That's my last name and it is spelled G-I-B-B. E-N-S. Everybody wants to do it with an O, but there's no O in it. So definitely go check them out. That's where I learned these skills. But it was so, this conversation with Elizabeth is, um, I think it's going to bless you guys. If you're not familiar with Elizabeth, let me just tell you a little bit about her and kind of how she got her start and how she founded um, world, foundation worldview. So Elizabeth uh, holds a BS from Gordon College in elementary education in Spanish and a master's um, in literacy education, as well as in Christian apologetics. And she started out as an elementary teacher at a Christian school. And she realized several years into teaching that despite being raised in Christian homes, attending a Christian school and being active in church, a lot of her students thought more like the culture than like Christ. So she began searching for curricular materials that would equip her students to think critically, helping them discover that Christianity is the worldview that really lines up with reality. And she talks about reality in this podcast, but she couldn't find any materials. So she started to create a curriculum for her students. So she first taught foundation comparative worldview curriculum as an after-school class for third through fifth graders. And the results were incredible. The students were transformed from passive recipients of information to active evaluators of every message they receive. And isn't that the goal that we want for our kids is to be able to think for themselves regardless of what messages they're getting. So parents and teachers alike noticed the impact these materials were having on the students' media consumption, their academic achievements, and their everyday habits. And this transformation lasted beyond the elementary years and guided their thinking into junior high and high school. So 
what she did is she created and created a way to take this curriculum to um, to the public, to all of us. So she now works full time on developing comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. It's excellent. Her goal is to prepare to prepare the next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and most importantly, lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. So I highly recommend go check uh, at the end of the podcast. I'll give you all the places that you can find them, but foundationworldview.com is their website. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on um, on Facebook, a lot of different places. Again, I'll give more information at the end of this episode about how you can get in touch with Elizabeth. But for now, enjoy this episode because this was such a great interview. Great. Elizabeth, oh my goodness, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. This is this is wonderful. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yes, yes. So I would love to hear from you. If you wouldn't mind just sharing with um, my audience, how did you get started in this work? As you know, I'm obviously really big into helping parents teach their children how to think for themselves. How did you get started in this work of equipping children to think well and to discern truth? Well, it really started just in the beginning of my professional career. I started off my career as an elementary educator at a, in a Christian school. And I just saw that my students, you know, they came from these great Christian homes. I was giving them a biblically based education all day long, as I'm sure most of the listeners are doing, you know, with their children, but I still noticed them rapidly absorbing ideas from culture. And I thought, okay, what do I need to do just to give them some basic skills to carefully evaluate every idea that they encounter? And so that's really how I got into this business of equipping kids to think well. Oh, that's amazing. What what um, age level were you teaching when you were at the school? I was teaching third grade at the time. So like eight and nine-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, no, that's excellent. And it's really true. I went to a, um, a private Christian school all through elementary and high school. And, you know, thinking back, there were some things that we were equipped in, but there was a lot that we were not equipped in, you know? And so I can definitely yeah. see that as a whole and, you know, a place that's really important to, to fill. So today I really want to focus on talking about truth. So when you, mm. if somebody were to ask you, what is truth? Um, I'm going to kind of throw you a couple questions just to give you okay. to jump off and kind of start talking with. So not to be overwhelming, but so if, if somebody asks you, what is truth? How do you define it? Where does truth come from? How do you answer that? How do you respond to that? Yeah. And that's a great question because I think a lot of times we use the word truth a lot, but we haven't actually paused to think through what do we mean when we're talking about this word? And so a lot of times I'll ask adults when I'm giving presentations, you know, how would you define the word truth? And everybody's kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> because, you know, we, we understand our responsibility to tell the truth, you know, that our words be truthful. And we understand when we're talking about, okay, if we're telling the truth, then we're accurately describing a situation, but what do we mean by that? And so philosophers have classically defined truth as truth is that which corresponds to reality. But you say that and most people are scratching their heads, you know, like, so an easy definition that I like to give for both adults and for kids is that truth is what is real. Truth is what is real. And when you think about this, that is really how we understand truth. Because when we're in a situation and we understand our responsibility to tell the truth, we know that what that person is asking us is to describe what really happened. And so it's what is real. And so then where does truth 
come from. Now, the, you know, the really good Sunday school or Christian family or Christian homeschool answer is Jesus. You know, you just say Jesus. <laughs> um, and even, for even everything, the, right? Jesus. <laughs> right, right. And even a lot of times, you know, like when I'll ask that question, what is truth? A lot of people will be like, Jesus. And I'll be like, well, think about it this way, you know, especially for homeschooling parents, when you're teaching your kids multiplication and you're giving them, you know, like a timed test to see how well they know their multiplication facts. If they write down for three times three, and then under the equal sign, they write Jesus, you're going to be like, nice try. <laughs> you know, the answer is always nine. And it's like, well, why is that? Because nine is what corresponds to reality. It's what is real. Now from the biblical worldview, we know that Jesus is the one that created that math fact. He is the one that sustains that math fact. So I always explain to kids um, when we're talking about truth and where it comes from, explaining that God is the source of truth, meaning that anything we observe in the world around us, that we understand the truth about that, that's part of God's creation. Whether it's a primary part of God's creation, like it's a tree or an animal, you know, something that God has directly given life to, or whether we're talking about a computer, which, you know, like did God speak and computers existed? No, but God spoke and the elements that were needed to make this computer were brought into existence. And then humans who bear his image use that raw material to create a computer. So everything that we see is part of God's creation. So I just like to say that God is the source of truth because God is the one who has set up the physical world. It all stems from God. God is the creator of the end sustainer of that world, you know, like without his sustaining power, the world as we know it would cease to exist. So I like to say truth is what is real and God is the source of truth. That's, you know, I think that's, that's excellent. You, because in today's world, it's all about my truth, your truth, his truth, their truth, right? Everybody has their own and without an objective standard, anything goes right. And I think that's what we're seeing is the relativism, like anything goes. So what would you say to people? Can we really know truth? Can we really, is there really a truth and can we really know it? Well, I would just say, look at the world around us. Like there are certain truths that we just have to agree are true. And if we don't, there's going to be serious consequences. Like a very simple one is gravity. Whether we know what gravity is, whether we believe in gravity, whether we can say the name gravity and define it, you know, or even attach a mathematical equation to it, the truth of gravity remains that when I drop something from my hand, it will fall to the ground. If I go up on top of a building, no matter how much I believe I can fly, the truth of gravity still exists. So I think we all understand at a very basic level that, you know, the laws of physics are truth. <laughs> you know, there are certain things that are truth. Now, there are times where we might disagree with someone over what is true. And now this makes complete sense from a biblical worldview, because from a biblical worldview, we're told in Genesis 3 about the fall of mankind, that when humans rebelled against God, sin and death entered into the world. And so everything has been affected by that, including our ability to reason. And so we're never going to reason 100% perfectly. But what we can do is we can actually seek out truth. I mean, when you think about it, our entire criminal justice system depends on that belief, you know, that we can eventually with enough investigation, ascertain the truth, figure out what really 
happen. And so I would say, yes, there are many truths we can know, you know, without too much investigation. Then there's other truths, you know, that require a little more investigation. And then there are truths where people in our society, you know, even sometimes within the church, you know, disagree about what is truth. And so then our responsibility then is to investigate the evidence and say, okay, where does the evidence lead? Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And I feel like it all starts with being willing to, like you just said, to ask the questions and to dig in and to ask some questions that might be hard, that might be difficult, that might lead us to a conclusion other than the one that, other than the one that we feel or we want to be right, yes. but still continuing to ask the question. I always um, point back to the Proverbs. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of man to seek mm -hmm. it out, right? Or the glory of yes. kings, depending on which translation. And that implies to me that we have a responsibility to mm. seek truth and to make an effort to try to find it. So um, no, I, I think that's excellent. So can you explain a little bit more about the difference between truth and reality in, in culture right now, because the messages that we're getting from entertainment, from uh, society is the whole live your truth, right? So find your truth, live your truth. And we're seeing this play out in some uh, actually really devastating ways in our, in our culture. So can you explain a little bit more into the difference there between truth and reality, um, and, you know, defining truth as being what's real, and what are some ways that we can help our children understand that truth is objective in this culture that's telling us everything but that? Yes, and that's where I would say we really have to equip our kids to understand the difference between an objective claim, meaning something that's either true or false. And so a claim that is not dependent on my emotions, it's not dependent on my preferences, my thoughts, my beliefs, like my inner world has zero control over it. Like gravity, that's a really simple one. You know, like it doesn't matter what I think, feel, or believe about gravity, gravity exists. You know, the same is true when I'm talking about the color of the shirt that I'm wearing. You know, I'm wearing a navy shirt right now. I could want with all my heart for this to be maroon, but my thoughts, feelings, desires are not going to like poof, you know, like change the color of my shirt. And then there are things that are controlled by my inner world. You know, when we're talking about your truth, which really there's no such thing as your truth. But when people talk about that, I think what they're talking about is, you know, your emotions, your preferences, your feelings, your inner world. Um, you know, for one example that I like to give is chocolate chip cookies. I am a very strange person and I am not a big fan of chocolate. Like my mom says, she doesn't know how I'm her daughter, <laughs> you know? So I, so for my preference, I do not prefer chocolate chip cookies. I kind of think like, ugh, gross. But that feeling of disgust is completely dependent on my inner world. And you know what? If I wanted to change that, I probably could. If I forced myself to eat a chocolate chip cookie every night, probably about two months from now, my taste mm. would change and I would actually start to crave chocolate. And so we want to equip our kids to understand the difference between an objective claim that's that's completely outside of our inner world versus a subjective claim. You know, when somebody says they like chocolate, you know, or 
Fridays are the best day of the week or anything like that, something that's completely controlled by their inner world. So with teens, just talk about the difference between objective and subjective. With little kids, I like to talk about the difference between truth and feelings. And it's just a really easy dichotomy for them to understand because we have an outer world and an inner world, you know, and the two of them intermingle all the time, but we have to discern, okay, is this something that's true or false, you know, and it's outside of me, or is it something that's just merely internal and inside of me? Yeah. Oh no, that's excellent. And and you touched on a really good point there talking about emotions, right? Because a lot of times people think that, um, you know, God gave us our emotions, right? We have them, we have them for a purpose, we have them for a reason, but culture tells us that our emotions are reality, are a point of reality, and that they are something that, you know, follow your heart, we should follow these things, and that we should pay so much attention to them. And so many people are looking at how they feel and their emotions as the ultimate point of truth. And (laughs) so what tools can you give to, can you give students, can you give parents and families to help them discern when, because sometimes our emotions do point to the truth, but sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't, right? How do we, how do we tell the difference between what our emotions are doing and between what's really true? Yeah. And I think you use some great language there to point to what we need to do, that emotions shouldn't be negated. They should be discerned, you know, being emotional beings, it's part of being human. It's part of being created in God's image. And so our emotions shouldn't be stuffed. They shouldn't be ignored. They shouldn't be negated. Neither should they be the driving force and become king in our life. Our emotions have to be discerned because as you said, sometimes our emotions point us towards truth. Sometimes our emotions point us away from truth. Now, in the heat of a moment when we're experiencing, you know, a very strong emotional reaction, just with the way that our brains are designed, probably in the heat of the moment, we're going to have trouble discerning, is this emotion pointing me towards truth or away from it? And so sometimes we just have to feel what we're feeling, take a little bit of time to cool down or, you know, just distance ourselves a little bit from that feeling, but then practice asking ourselves, you know, is is that emotion pointing me towards the truth or is it pointing me away from it? And just like, like a practical example of this, you know, when we get angry about something, just to ask ourselves, why were we angry? And especially when we're disciplining our children, again, not in the heat of the moment, you know, not in the heat of the conflict, but later when we're having a disciplinary conversation to ask, okay, why were you feeling angry? You know, maybe your sibling mistreated you. And, you know, when we are treated unjustly, and we feel angry about that, that emotion is pointing us towards the truth in that God is a God of justice and we were designed to live justly. You know, so if a sibling is treating us unfairly, that emotion is pointing us to truth. When it switches to pointing us away from the truth is then when we think that anger is showing us, okay, then my proper response is to hit that sibling or my proper response is to push them or to grab, you know, like what they have in their hand. That's not a fair way to treat them. That's not a kind way to treat them. So then that emotion has turned from pointing me towards the truth to pointing me away from the truth. So these are things, if we can just get in the habit of talking through these things with our kids, because if we're just asking them to stuff their emotions, that's not healthy. And emotions that are stuffed, eventually the pressure builds and they bubble over in a way that nobody likes (laughs) and it's not healthy. But if we can train them, you know, to feel what they're feeling and be okay with feeling what they're feeling and then discern, is this pointing me towards truth or away from truth? And that just takes practice. Yeah, no, and that's, 
it's a hard thing to do sometimes, right? It's a hard thing to do. And like you said, it really takes practice. Yeah. And I like how you broke down the difference between what you're feeling, right? A feeling or an emotion and the action that we take, right? The corresponding, what do we do with that? What do we do right. in the moment? What do we do with that feeling? So could you take a minute and talk to maybe the teens that are listening to my podcast right now, listening to this maybe with their parents, how can they take a stand for truth in a world, because if they listen to my podcast, they're learning how to discern truth, right? They're learning how to recognize lies, how to recognize bad thinking. Um, but they are going to be living, they are living, and they will be continuing to live in a world that is teaching them to elevate emotion and to elevate relativity and maybe what they feel as truth, as the ultimate truth. How do they take a stand? How can they take a stand for what really truly is an objective truth versus you know, and quote unquote, um, an emotional quote unquote truth. Yes. Well, I'm going to address two different groups here that I think are probably listening. I'm sure that some of the teens listening, you know, have, have just been growing up in this culture for so long that does elevate emotion. So I'm sure that some of you listening are not quite sure that you agree with what I've said so far, that you're thinking that the lines are a little bit more blurry and especially if you have friends or relatives who really bought into this, people who you really care about. And I think especially, you know, in the cultural moment that we're in, as we're recording this podcast, um, transgenderism is a huge thing on the cultural landscape right now. And so I'm sure that some of you listening, you know, if you have friends who are transitioning to a different gender, you know, you're thinking, well, they know what's best for them. You know, they know the truth of who they are, their emotions, you know, their internal emotions are showing them the truth about who they are. And so I would ask you to think through a corresponding question. So, you know, you might have a friend who's transitioning to another gender and thinking that their emotions do tell them the truth about who they are. Well, then I want you to think about what if you have a friend who is depressed and that friend feels like he or she is worthless. That's all they can think about. That is their strongest emotion. So if emotions are the best indicator of reality, is your friend who is depressed really worthless? Is that the truth about who they are? And I think it's very clear when we ask ourselves that question that, no, that's not the truth, that our emotions are not what's most real about us. So anyone who's listening, who's skeptical, especially just thinking about friends, you know, who may be in the trans community or transitioning and thinking, you know, they know what's best for them because that's their emotion. Think about that situation with depression. And I think it becomes really clear that our emotions are not the primary indicator of reality. And then for any teens who are listening, you know, who already understand, yes, there's a difference between objective truths and subjective emotions. And we have to, you know, discern our emotions to figure out whether or not they align with truth. If you're wanting to, you know, take a stand and to really help those in your community, those in your friend group, maybe even those in your church understand this truth, I would say the best thing that you can do is to get good at asking questions. Because as humans, we are not naturally good listeners. So a lot of times if we share the truth with a friend, you know, they're not going to be listening that well. And, you know, we just think as humans, if someone offends me, clearly they're wrong. And so it's very easy to offend others. Not that we should always avoid that, but I would just say, get good at asking questions. You know, so if your friend says, you know, like, oh, well, that's nice for you, but it's not nice for me. Just asking a question like, can you tell me more what you mean by that? You know, that's nice for me, but it's not nice for you or you know, can you tell me more of what you believe about truth or can you help me understand what you mean by that? And so if you just get good at asking those questions, you'll learn more about what your friend actually 
believes. And then you'll hopefully have an opportunity to ask a question that's kind of going to be a little pebble in their shoe, <laughs> you know, a question that's going to kind of bother them and, you know, not hopefully not make them angry, but it might, but a pebble in their shoe, just to be like, they're going to continually think about it, or even an opportunity to share why you don't believe you know, in what they just said. So that would be my encouragement for teens that are already on board with this. Get good at asking questions. And if you feel like, oh, I'm not good at that, practice with your parents, practice at dinner time. Because the be- the more we practice with something, the easier it is to implement. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And I'm going to make a note. I need to do an episode on how to ask good questions um, for teens, like mm-hmm. in that, because there are some tools that you can use to ask a question. So thank you. That's excellent. Uh, so now I've got a question uh, for you, for the parents who are listening. Um, kind of my last question, then I want you to tell them how they can learn more from you. Can parents, how can parents help their teens evaluate the ideas that they're being exposed to. Like, what does that look like from a parent perspective? Their teens are seeing social media, they're seeing messages from movies, from culture. How can they, how can they effectively have these conversations and help their teens really learn to think about them objectively? Yes. And that is a great question because we know that anyone in our culture is just faced with thousands of competing ideas every day. And we live in this meme and TikTok and Twitter world, which is crazy with so many ideas coming our way. And so I think, again, we're going to talk about some skills and then practice, practice, practice. Um, So I think the first skill that to have is just to ask ourselves the question, what is this idea? that I've just seen, because a lot of times things are coming at us so quickly. We never pause to take a minute to actually think through what is this idea? And if we don't understand what an idea is, there's no way that we can evaluate whether or not it's true. So that is the first step, you know, just practice and an easy way to do this. I know this will be kind of annoying, but I think it's better to be slightly annoying and have kids that are able to evaluate ideas than have kids that are happy with you all the time that just buy into the cultural lies. (laughs) You know, so anytime you're watching a show, you know, just pause and just discuss as a family, what did we just hear? Like, what did that character just say? Or when you're passing a billboard on the highway, did you guys see that? Whoa. What were the, what was that sentence we just read? What does that really mean? You know, and so, or after a conversation, you know, when you have a conversation with someone afterwards, debrief with your kids, you know, what was that person saying? So just get really good at pausing and asking, okay, what was said? Because that's really half the battle, just understanding (laughs) what was said. Um, Then, you know, I'm sure some of the things that you cover on this podcast, just covering the basic laws of logic so that our kids understand, okay, what does a statement, you know, what criteria does a statement have to meet in order to potentially be true? You know, it can't be a self-refuting statement. You know, it, it can, you know, just, you know, the basic laws of logic and saying a law of identity, you know, something is what it is and it's not something else. And so thinking about, you know, that applies like in culture when words are used, you know, if we're talking about love and we mean giving of ourselves to for someone else's benefit and someone else is talking to us and they mean love, which is in their definition is celebrating everything about someone, whether or not it's what's best for them. We're talking past one another. Like we're, so just looking at those basic laws of logic and thinking through, okay, how does this apply to us and applying those, you know, to the, the memes and TikTok things and, you know, TV shows, everything that we encounter. Um, And then I would say, 
practice again, I'm going to kind of say what I said before, practice asking really good questions and listening, because that is a skill that our culture has just completely forgotten. And if we can ask good questions, really listen, one, we're building relationship with someone, two, we're getting to know them better. And then three, we're getting an opportunity to get them to think through what they believe. So that's what I would recommend. Just first pausing, asking, what is this idea? I've just you know, encountered, then teaching our kids the basic laws of logic. So they know how to filter an idea through that. And then once they're good at evaluating ideas, training them to ask good questions, to practice active listening so that we can actually engage with others in the culture about the ideas that they think are true. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so excellent. And I love, (laughs) I've told the story um, before about how my dad did exactly what you described in terms of Mm. watching movies and things like that. Uh, He would, we called it narrating. He narrated life for us (laughs) and it used to drive us nuts, but it was so good because he gave us the gift of learning his worldview and learning how he views things. And it really was a gift. Um, So I tell the parents the same thing, even if they're annoyed by do it anyway. So, okay, Elizabeth, <laughs> tell us about um, Foundation Worldview, why you started it, what resources you offer for parents, and um, I'll wrap up and tell them how they can find you. Yes. So, Foundation Worldview was never my life goal, but God usually has better plans than we do for our own lives. So, I shared in the beginning, you know, just how I saw that my students, they didn't have these skills to be able to evaluate the ideas that come their way. And so, I started looking for resources for the third grade level, you know, third through fifth grade level just on, you know, careful, critical thinking, biblical thinking, comparative worldview. And I couldn't find anything at that level that did what I wanted it to do. Like there were, there were like one or two resources that were out there, but as a teacher, I knew what would transform kids learning. And the few things I found weren't, didn't fit the bill. So I just started creating my own resources, teaching them in an after-school class for third through sixth graders. And when people saw the results, um, just how the students were able to carefully evaluate the ideas they encountered, they suddenly took hold of their education because they realized like, oh, I can't just sit here and absorb things. Like I actually have to be an active participant in this and evaluate whether or not this is true. So people started contacting me from all over saying, how can we get our hands on this? And I was like, you can't, I'm a third grade teacher. I'm not a publishing house. (laughs) Um, but after years and years of those requests, eventually I was like, okay, Lord, I think something's here. And God opened up the door for me to step back from teaching and to actually, uh, start a company that creates apologetics and comparative worldview and biblical literacy curriculums for children. And so our target age range at foundation worldview currently is four through 14. And so we provide curriculums. We have everything from comparative worldview to basic worldview to careful thinking, like some of the things I just talked about, to a studying the Bible curriculum. Um, We try to make them really easy. They're all video-based, so we do all the teaching for you. Um, Our goal is independence. Um, You know, after a child is done with one of our curriculums, we don't want them to have to come back to us for any of those same resources again. You know, they should be. (laughs) It's a terrible business model, but a wonderful training model. Yes, Um, it is. (laughs) So that's, that's what we do at Foundation Worldview. We also have tons of free resources too, like webinars and blogs and book clubs, uh, things like that. And you just started a podcast. We did. Yes. We just released our first episode earlier this week. That's wonderful. (laughs) I can't wait. I'll be subscribing. So I can't wait to to check that out. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you for being on. Thank you for what you're doing. I think you're filling such a needed role in 
our world today and something that parents need, that children need, and this next generation desperately needs. Um, I just appreciate it. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, y'all, how was that? It was good, right? It was so good. So again, if you want to find out more about Foundation Worldview and Elizabeth and what she's doing, go check her out at foundationworldview.com. You can find them on Instagram at Foundation Worldview. Um, You can find them on Facebook. There's a lot of different places. And she just dropped a new podcast, um, just started like this week that we're recording called Foundation Worldview. So definitely check it out. I know there's going to be some great some great conversations happening there. And remember, when you learn how to think, you will no longer fall prey to those who are trying to tell you what they want you to think. And it all starts with asking one simple question. Is that really true? I would love to hear from you. Do you have questions about fallacies and cognitive biases? Are you now starting to see and hear them everywhere around you too? Well, send them in. They just might get featured on the podcast. You can email them to me at think at filter it through a or you can connect with me on Instagram at filter it through a brain cell. And if you want to be notified about when new episodes come out and all the things that we're doing, go to www.filter it through a and sign up to receive email updates. I would love it if you would help us on our mission to teach society how to think well. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with people in your life.